Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Doors take us to summers away or winter adventures and afternoon getaways. Your dedicated Fidelity Advisor can help you open those doors by working with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential because doors were meant to be opened. Visit fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimum supply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Welcome to the Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Kathy Barnett, 31.35%. Dave McCormick, 27.09%. Dr. Oz, 26.72%. Barnett, round numbers. Barnett, 31. McCormick, 27. Oz, 27. These are the results with approximately 93% reported from one Pennsylvania county. It's Lancaster County, where officials estimate that about two-thirds of the 21,000 mail-in ballots are affected by an error, and it's going to take a while, how long we don't know, for them to sort it all out. I bring this up as a preamble to Mark Halpern's much-anticipated Wednesday second-hour visit, in particular today, because in the wide world of news, he's ready, I think, to call it. I mean, let's talk to Mark, but that's the basis, I think, for his view. Hey, Mark, you are focused on those absentee ballots and the counting, and you think what? Good morning, Michael. Well, there's a ridiculous amount of ambiguity, as you well know, about where we stand, but it appears that the number of outstanding absentee ballots is substantial. It appears that Dave McCormick has done substantially better with the currently in absentee ballots than Dr. Oz. And historically, that pattern tends to hold. He may not get the exact same percentage he's gotten so far, but if he gets anything like that percentage, given the number of outstanding mail ballots there, I think he will regain the lead and and probably win. Again, with the caveat that we could find some error someplace that, that will dramatically shift the results. And we're almost certainly headed for an automatic recount. So long way to go, but but my sense is of the of the votes cast and, and accounted for, barring some major error that is located, uh, that McCormick will make up the, the, the ground he's lost with the mail-in ballot. In the first hour of the program today, I said that what's clear is that Barnett did not maintain her momentum. I think that there were a couple of different shifts in this race that M- McCormick started out with the wind at his back, then Trump comes along and endorses Oz. But for that endorsement, Oz would not be a contender, in my view. He needed Trump's endorsement. Then all of a sudden, because 50 mil gets spent on behalf of and between McCormick and Oz, and they bloody one another, it allows for a lane for Barnett. She emerges. Then there's a little bit of vetting done in her regard lessens her numbers, and it seems like McCormick was the beneficiary of what happened over the weekend. How does that sound to Mark Halpern? Like you're a great chronicler of your Commonwealth's politics, and uh, I couldn't agree more. And I've just asked the obvious follow-up, which is, 
what would keep you from declaring your independent candidacy for this seat? At this stage, um, yeah. I, I don't know that McCormick. I don't know that McCormick is the person that Oz that Oz is. By the way, I'm punch drunk. I'm cruising on fumes of four hours of which sleep. Is why, which, which is why I'm going to lure you into declaring your candidacy. <laughs> whether it's whether it's Oz, whether it's Oz or McCormick, Michael, look me in the in the virtual eye and tell me if you were on the debate stage with Fetterman, right? Oz or McCormick, and you, you tell me you wouldn't win that race. No, I'll, no, no. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you I would win the debate. I would win the debate. Right, but I, and by the but, way, I would win the debate. I would win the debate on four hours sleep. You would, and you would win a series of debates. Your earned media would be mega through the roof, not MAGA, but mega. <laughs> and you would position yourself between the the Trump loyalist, whichever one is the Republican nominee, the far left Fetterman, um, and and you'd be the next senator from. Pennsylvania, wielding enormous power as a true independent who would not caucus with either party, rather than these faux independents who do. So again, Michael, I ask you, what's holding you back? What, Your Mark, lucrative media deal, certainly. But what else? <laughs> Mark, what are we calling the book? Game change is taken and so is double down. But what would we call this book? Uh, about your Senate race? Yeah. Keystone Clowns, How I Became a United <laughs> States Senator by Michael Smirconis. <laughs> Okay, there's a question that I want to ask you. Yes, sir. How many pound gorilla is Donald Trump today? Because you always like to say he's X and now he's Y, although Y is still dominant. Yeah. I, I Look, every race is different, and you can look at what his failure of his candidates in Madison Cawthorn and in the Idaho governor's race. But I, I think anyone who looks at last night's results in total and doesn't say, this gorilla is still well over a thousand pounds, isn't paying attention. So people will say, as I write in Wide World of News, people say, well, in Pennsylvania, 70 percent of the of the people who voted in the Republican primary uh, voted against his chosen candidate, Dr. Oz. I would say 100 percent of the people who voted in the Pennsylvania primary voted for candidates who were as MAGA as they could be and who all wanted his endorsement. And then I think the biggest race of the night to measure Donald Trump's uh, power in the party is the North Carolina Republican Senate primary where Ted Budd, a previously relatively unknown congressman, wiped the floor with Pat McCrory, the former governor of the state. Uh, he just he creamed him, and he creamed him in part because the Club for Growth spent a lot of money to support him, but largely because of Donald Trump's endorsement. He picked a Senate candidate in North Carolina, and that person is likely to become a United States senator, uh, winning the general election. And so I think Donald Trump, uh, you know, this is not cheering for Trump. It's just my analysis and talking to folks. And looking at how these candidates ran, uh, it is his party. He's he is there. Are few exceptions. The Cawthorn one is a big exception in some ways, but it's the exception that proves the rule, which is for the most part, Donald Trump's going to get his way with this with with intra party politics for now. We're so accustomed to a candidate running hard left, running hard right, and then pivoting toward the center for a general. And you usually see evidence of that as soon as their acceptance speech, having won a nomination. You saw mm-hmm. none of that with Doug Mastriano last night in Pennsylvania. No. Look, it, it, given what a red cycle it's likely to be, given um, you know we're in an unpredictable age, I can't rule out that the guy's going to win, uh, even though he's not of the type of politician who normally wins statewide in Pennsylvania. But I can tell you that Democrats believe that this gives them an extraordinarily good chance. They have in your attorney general, Josh Shapiro, a, a very able candidate who's extremely popular, 
who's done a lot as AG that is popular, who is not going to take this race for granted. And so because the Trump-backed candidate uh, is, is now the nominee, you may see in a otherwise very bleak November for Democrats, you may see them win the Pennsylvania, hold the Pennsylvania governorship, which includes picking the election administrator for the 2024 presidential race. And I think it's also possible that um, that the Republican uh, top of the ticket brings down their Senate candidate, whether it's McCormick or Oz, brings down state legislative candidates. So we'll see. But it's not impossible that the, the, that, that decision by the voters to, to, to nominate this person for governor will have an incredible impact on both the 2022 cycle in Pennsylvania and the presidential election in 2024. Not a sure thing, but more likely than not, and something that Republicans are very worried about. May I make my Senate prediction relative to Pennsylvania before we move on from that? Please. Okay, my prediction is that if McCormick wins the race by, mm-hmm. I'll say, July 4th weekend, Oz mm-hmm. is back as a resident of New Jersey. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, I think that's a pretty good guess. I'd be curious to see how these two guys handle the next couple of days or weeks as this plays out, because this is a, a fraud situation. As I tweeted a few minutes before joining you, I think uh, Dr. Oz, in looking back on, on you know how this ended up this way, he made a lot of mistakes uh, in the in the race, and you always second guess. But I think the biggest mistake was he should have been born on a Christmas tree farm, uh, <laughs> the way Dave McCormick was. It was an error, and and I say that because. People are saying, well, how could the polls have been so wrong? The final poll showed McCormick, you know, in third. People want to uh, – there's bad polling out there, but people want to often say the polls are wrong when they're really not. There was a big undecided. Right. And one remarkable thing about Dave McCormick's status in the race throughout, even with all those negative ads raining down on him, um, his favorable, unfavorable rating stayed much better than Oz's and, and than Kathy Barnett's. And I think part of that was the Christmas tree farm. He, he has a more authentic Pennsylvania story no than doubt. Dr. Oz does. No doubt. And I, think, and I think that played a huge role. And the national press didn't cover that very much. But if you looked at his campaign events, if you looked at his advertising, he really emphasized that. And, and really, you know, the old joke about, you know, I was born in a log cabin I built myself. Doesn't get much more Pennsylvania than being born on a Christmas tree farm. I agree or with work, you. you know, living on a Christmas tree yeah, farm. Yeah, I, so think, I, I think, think that helped him a lot. I think the carpetbagger tag harmed Oz, didn't touch McCormick, and really wasn't even raised with regard to Barnett, even though similar things could have been said about her. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen 
gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Doors take us to summers away or winter adventures and afternoon getaways. Your dedicated Fidelity Advisor can help you open those doors by working with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Because doors were meant to be opened. Visit fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimum supply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Listen to Michael live. Weekdays on POTUS. Sirius XM Channel 124. And on the SXM app. Hey, I'm not giving away the wide world of news entirely for free, but I I need to go to item number seven because this is really worthy uh, of conversation. Mark Halpern writes this. As soon as a major office holder or candidate acknowledges a significant medical issue, all serious news organizations should take their political reporters off the story and assign aggressive, experienced medical reporters, ideally actual doctors, to demand answers on behalf of the public interest. Please explain. I've been on this soapbox most of my political career, uh, including during the 1992 campaign, which is the first I covered full time. You know, political reporters are good at some stuff. They don't know anything about how to cover uh, the health of a candidate or an office holder. You have here in Fetterman somebody who spent the last 72, 96 hours of the campaign dealing with a significant and maybe very significant medical issue. And and news organizations need to stop having political reporters because the political reporters covered as like a controversy. They cover it as, you know, a question of truth telling. They're also important. But the most important thing is for voters to understand if the person they're about to vote for or the person who's representing them has a serious issue or not and what they're doing about it. And we know virtually nothing about the status of Fetterman's health. We know the statement they put out, but we also know that campaigns like governments, they lie when they're under pressure. This is an extraordinarily pressure-filled situation. It didn't threaten his chances of winning. It probably helped him right. win the nomination. Agreed. Yeah. We, need, we need to know between now and November what's the status of this guy's health. And it's not the only factor for voters, but but if you're if you're the New York Times or a local TV station in Pennsylvania, please stop sending political reporters to cover the status of, of Fetterman's health. Um, you know, having surgery on election day is not is not the norm, and um, or maybe not surgery, but a complicated medical procedure. I don't know if it's technically surgery because I'm not a doctor. Well, implant, I'm a right, reporter. implanting a defibrillator. So, yeah. So let's 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 get every organization, not just for Fetterman, but for anybody. Let's get every organization, stop sending your political reporters to cover this, have a serious doctor call the campaign and say, here's some questions. They need to be answered. It shouldn't bring everything to a halt, but it should be a pretty high priority because campaigns aren't inclined to answer these questions. And it's it's extraordinarily important for our presidents, our presidential candidates. But in this Senate race, the voters of Pennsylvania should not have to choose Fetterman without knowing what kind of health he's in. And it's a pretty serious, pretty serious thing, even even if it's on the low end of of what it might be. Well, I want to see the TikTok of what transpired in the last couple of days, because Friday is when he had the stroke 
and the campaign then canceled events over the weekend. Okay, what exactly did they say when canceling those events? They said that he was that he was not feeling well, that there was some type of a health. I thought it, maybe he had COVID. That was what went through sure. my mind. Or I thought maybe they just want to keep him out of the public eye because they have this one and they don't want there to be a gaffe. But here's the question. At what point did they have an obligation to say he's actually in the hospital and here's why? Well, I would argue, because I'm pro-disclosure and public information, I would argue the minute he went to the hospital. Um, and, and, and it's not just a matter of the public interest. You look at what happened with Hillary Clinton when she you know, had some sort of health issue uh, during the 9-11 ceremony in the 2016 campaign, and then there was video of her kind of you know, falling down. And you saw it with Bill Bradley when he ran for president against Al Gore. You know, the press, I don't know how much the public cares about the lack of disclosure, but the press certainly does, some for good reason, some for bad. But you're right. Uh, uh, they they certainly they certainly didn't engage in full disclosure, and they're still not engaging in full disclosure. And now the focus will be on um, on Pennsylvania, uh, on the Republican race, uh, because of, of the overtime between Oz and McCormick. And I'm sure, oh, I shouldn't say I'm sure, but I suspect it's likely that the Betterman folks would like to be as non-disclosive, I mean, invent a word, non-disclosive, uh, going forward as possible and hope people move on. But again, it's going to take a medical expert, not a political reporter, to get them to explain the state of his health. And no politician likes to talk about that. Some of it's legitimate in terms of privacy, but it's not, it's not, it's incumbent upon someone who wants to represent the people to recognize that they give up a certain measure of their privacy. And that extends to, the guy has a stroke. And he's six eight and and pretty heavy guy. I think people people need to know what the deal is. Who are they voting for? Are well, they voting for someone who who may not be able to do the job? I'll go a step further. If it had happened to Doctor Oz, the media would have been all over it and demanding an explanation of exactly what transpired. So I, I want to see what what what's going to develop in that regard. This is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Take us to summers away or winter adventures and afternoon getaways. 
Your dedicated Fidelity advisor can help you open those doors by working with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Because doors were meant to be opened. Visit fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimum supply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS. Sirius XM Channel 124 and on the SXM app. One, one other thing I need to get to from the wide world of news today. Item number 10, do not think for, this happens to relate to my survey question today, so do not think for a minute that if the Pentagon knew all about the truth out there regarding UFOs, that officials would just show up at a congressional hearing and admit it. Well, speaking of admissions, Geraldo Rivera has now admitted that he once saw a UFO while stoned on ecstasy. Does Mark Halpern have any similar admissions with regard to UFOs? I did coming uh, coming uh, uh, in early uh, this morning for a meeting. I did see a unicorn on Third Avenue um, <laughs> with a with a rainbow shawl. Right. Um, so it was not flying, but it was an unidentified object, unless it was in fact a unicorn and a rainbow shawl. Um, I mean, I'm not someone who thinks much about this. I did I did monitor some of the hearing yesterday, and I just think it's kind of their answers were so ridiculous. Like they came in with all these legalistic answers, and the members of Congress would ask them something, and they seemed uh, uh, you know, kind of, uh, 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 what's the right word? They just, they, they didn't seem there to give full disclosure. They gave kind of legalistic answers until they were really pressed. And I thought if the whole point of this was to give people the truth about what the military believes about UFOs, their presentation was just like right out of fiction where, you know, the military comes in and basically just tries to hide what they know. It was, it's ridiculous. And, 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 uh, I don't know whose strategy that was, but the notion that that if anyone who thinks that the military secretly knows that they that uh, had experience with UFOs, anyone who thinks that, that yesterday's hearing would put an put end any to of that to rest, yeah, it's just nuts. But I just I found their whole manner to be just cartoonish. It was like from a Spielberg movie. What a great report. The wide world of news. I am a paid subscriber, and I recommend everyone else do likewise. Mark, thank you for that great report. I really appreciate it. Senator Smirconish, we'll talk to you next Wednesday about your platform on uh, global warming. It does roll off the tongue, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? Senator Smirconish. (laughs) Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it very much. Mark is here every Wednesday in the second hour of the program. Lots of political fodder. The Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Doors take us to summers away or winter adventures and afternoon getaways. Your dedicated Fidelity advisor can help you open those doors by working with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Because doors were meant to be opened. 
Visit fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimum supply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC.